0: with back to god ministries how is everyone doing today i pray that all is well in your lives that you are walking by faith and not by sight you beloved are to never give up on the lord jesus christ amen amen all right folks let me just make this one statement Salvation and forgiveness of sins comes through repentance. Acts 3.19 tells us to repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. Amen. Beloved, Peter is telling us that for our sins to be forgiven, blotted out. We must repent. Amen. So the question on the floor today is, how do we resist sin? Because let's just face the fact, sin is with us as a constant in the world, but God's voice is within us. And because he is love. This daily quest to turn and repent of sin is a lifelong renewing. Amen. Beloved, we have Holy Spirit. We are in the process of sanctification. Now that we have been justified from our sin debt, through Jesus' atoning sacrifice, dying on the cross for our sins, he paid the penalty for our wrongdoing, and therefore we have been pardoned of our past sins. Because of what Christ has done for us, we now, through him and because of him, have right standing with the Father. We have been justified. No longer are we condemned. No longer is God's wrath and condemnation upon us. No longer are we hell bound. So we must be trained in righteousness. And this is not the time to keep on sinning. Beloved, we got the put. We have to put our sins on the facts. The unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom. This is an ongoing relationship offered by the one who reconciles with our heavenly father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us never forget Jesus is the centerpiece of our lives. Had it not been for him we will all be looking down the barrel of that lake of fire. The word of God tells us, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Amen. And that's First Corinthians 10, verse 13. Amen. Beloved, let me bring us over here to James chapter 4. I want to pick it up at verse 3 and take it to verse 10. To verse 10. James says, you ask God for something and do not receive it. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives, out of selfishness or with an unrighteous agenda so that when you get what you want, you may spend it on your hedonistic desires. You adulterous, disloyal sinners, flirting with the world and breaking your vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend that is loving the things of the world is being God's enemy. Mhm. James asks you a question. So, whoever chooses to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says to no purpose that the human spirit which he has made to dwell in us lust with envy. Hmm. James is talking to you, beloved verse six, but he gives us more and more grace through the power of the Holy spirit to defy sin And live an obedient life that reflects both our faith and our gratitude for our salvation. Amen. So, we see James is asking us a few questions. Because at the end of the day where sin is concerned and about how some of us keep playing with God by remaining friends with this world. Do you not know he gives us more and more and more and more grace? How much more grace do you need from God in order for you to stop sinning Otherwise, you're gonna perish. Verse 6, he gives us more and more grace through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy sin and live an obedient life that reflects both our faith and faith our gratitude for our salvation. So please tell me how, again, it is impossible to stop sinning because we live in these fleshly bodies and we live in this fallen world with all of this temptation going on. You act like the Lord did not send us help while we are being trained. He sent holy spirit. So that tells me there is no reason for us to make the claim it is impossible to stop sinning. The problem is you don't want to stop sinning and for you it's impossible. You may you may you may need to look at some things. Are you truly born again? Because John tells us in 1 John chapter 3 that the one who is born again, well, guess what? They cannot go on sinning, meaning they don't make it a lifestyle. To live in habitual, deliberate, blatant sin. Can a person miss the mark? Yes, and many have. Have we reached sinless perfection? Absolutely not. But the mindset is to live a life that is... How does does James says it over here in verse 6. Now that we have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. we We now have the ability to defy sin. And live an obedient life. That reflects both our faith and our gratitude. For our salvation. By God's grace. That's why James. Was also talking about faith. Without works of righteousness. Your your faith is dead. Where is the proof of your faith? Because some say well no. Repentance is a work. You You doing good things is a work. A work of what? Salvation. Hello, beloved. We are not talking about earning salvation. Oh, no, no. You you can't keep pulling that out your back pocket. We are not talking about earning your salvation. We are talking about what the Word of God told us to do. And that is to work out your salvation. That means living a life of obedience. Whereby because of your faith and by God's grace and with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can in fact... Live obedient lives. It is possible to live a life of holiness and righteousness. You want to know why all of that is possible? Because we love God and because of our faith and our gratitude for our salvation, we don't have a problem with complying. The reason why some have a problem with complying is because they do not want to give up their sin. These are they who talk a good game. They will have you to believe that they are saved, sanctified on their way straight to heaven. When they are living a life characterized by sin it is cultivated by sin listen listen to what characterized mean it means to distinguish to mark to set apart to identify specify indicate stamp Tempify. What else we got here? um, Portray. Depict. Describe. Show. What else? Classify. Uh Uh-huh. It means to describe the distinctive nature or features of. So... When John was saying that the born again person who has God's righteous character living on the inside of them. And because of that, the one who is born again, who has been regenerated, who has been transformed and made anew, they cannot go on sinning. They cannot be Characterized by that sinful lifestyle. Not anymore. No more are is that person described as a sinner, one who practice sin daily. Not when you have God's righteousness, his righteous character. Living on the inside of you ain't possible. So, back over here to James, right? Where we leave off. We were in the middle of verse 6 of James 4. Let me read verse 6 again. But he gives us more and more grace through the power of the Holy Spirit... To defy sin and live an obedient life that reflects both our faith and our gratitude for our salvation. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud and haughty, but continually gives the gift of grace to the humble. Who turn away from self-righteousness. Amen. So how do we resist sin? Well, James is giving us the key. Verse 7. So submit to the authority of God. Resist the devil. That means stand firm against him and he will flee from you. Come close. Listen, James is telling us what to do. Verse 8. Come close to God with a contrite heart and he will come close to you. Amen. So, excuse me, so... What does contrite means? Because James is saying come close to God with a contrite heart. It means feeling or expressing remorse or or penitence affected by guilt. It means being repented, regretful, sorry ashamed, shame-faced, guilt written in sackcloth and ashes it means having your conscience stricken by what you have done against God and we know the the opposite of a contrite person the the opposite of contrite, is repentant. No, no, no. Back up here. It means unrepented and defiant. So if you come into God defiant and proud and haughty with all of your self righteousness, you don't believe you have to repent. You got all of this unconfessed sin in you, and you believe you have fellowship with the Father. And this is the one James was saying who the liar is. The one who says they have no sin, meaning... They have unconfessed sin that they refuse. They are defiant. They will not repent. They believe they still anyway have fellowship with the Father. When he told us what to do about unconfessed sin, 1 John 1, 9. Because people want to read those verses before we're where John was saying, if you say you have no sin, then you are a liar. He's talking to, again, he's talking about the one who is in willful, blatant sin. And yet they say they have no sin. When in verse nine of 1 John one, he tells us what to do with unconfessed sin. Confess it. We have an advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, that when we confess our sins, instead of holding it in and not confessing it and walking in great deception, once I'm saved, I'm always saved. My past, present, and future sins have all been taken care of at the cross, so I don't need to repent. For what? God got me covered. I can live my life any kind of way because no matter what I do, nothing can separate me from God. Even Jesus said, no one can snatch his sheep out of his hand. And and I'm Jesus' sheep. Are you really? Because the Lord tells us In John 10, 27, who in fact is truly his sheep. He said his sheep knows him. They know his voice, another voice they will not listen to, but that how his sheep, the ones that are truly his, they listen, they follow, and they obey So if you are in willful, blatant sin, how are you Jesus' sheep? Because he said, no man can snatch, pluck, take away out of his hand, them whom? The ones who listen to him. So if you are not obeying Jesus and you are living in everyday sin, this is your lifestyle. You are not a child of God. James so patiently outlined for us in John, 1 John 3, he said it numerous times that the one who is truly born again, they don't make it a practice to go on sinning. As a matter of fact, they cannot. Why? Not because they just some wonderful, good person and they dot all the I's and cross all the T's. No, it is solely because they are born again and they have God's righteous character. His principle of life now dwells permanently In the one who is born again. And therefore they do not make it a practice. To commit lawlessness. No. They don't. So if we have any sin in our lives. John told us what to do. We got an advocate. We are to go to the Father with a contrite heart. Repent. Confess the sin. Agree with him. This is not right. It is wrong. It goes against your word. Forgive me, Lord. And then going forward, sin not. That's the pattern. But you can't... (laughs) Certain people, you can't tell them that. So, back over here, let us not get sidetracked, okay? James 4, we just finished reading, verse 7. So, submit to the authority of God, resist the devil, because again, um, what's your name? Beloved. Beloved. <coughs> We are talking about today how to resist sin. How, how to not give in to it. How not to have a life that is <clears throat> characterized by it. People still identify you as the harlot. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. We are to resist the devil. Stand firm against him and he will flee from you. Verse 8, come close to God with a contrite heart and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your unfaithful hearts, you double-minded people. Be miserable and grieve and weep over your sin. Amen. So, some people, they are not weeping. They are not miserable. They are not grieved by their sin at all. James is telling us, we should feel bad when we sin against God. This is right, Holy Spirit. This is not the hour to make excuses providing justifications, claiming Jesus told you in prayer to stay where you are. Absolutely not. No, James says, be miserable and grieve and weep over your sin. Let your foolish laughter be turned to mourning and your reckless joy to gloom. You you and I should feel tore up behind our sin. This is not the time to be how he say it having reckless joy. He says don't let your foolish laughter beloved it's true people people take pleasure in their sin. They they laugh they take pictures of it and throw it up on social media. And then you uh, see their, their, their profile pic banner says, I, I am a woman for God. I am a warrior. Jesus is Lord. No weapons formed against me. And I'm like, but I'm looking at all of these seductive poses You're doing, but you are the woman of God. Beloved, humble yourselves with an attitude of repentance and insignificance in the presence of the Lord. And he will exalt you. He will lift you up. He will give you purpose. Amen. That's verse 10. So, the life we live, it most certainly needs to be contrite when we miss the mark. We should be grateful for our salvation. We should not be joyful and foolish about our sin. So much, so much can be said about that because that just, that just does something to me. Now that I think about it, Christ Jesus paid a huge price so we don't go to hell. He, he suffered dying for us. And then we, ooh, in the 21st century, Going to be so braggadocious and have the audacity, living in sin, going to fix our face talking about, oh, I know I'm born again. What? No, that's not what Jesus meant. He he understands. He knows my heart. Talking about, I need to repent for what? Uh huh. You ain't gonna make it, Missy. Nope. My brother, you are heading the wrong way. Listen, okay. How do we resist sin? Well, we know there are two times in the Gospels. When the Lord Jesus Christ tells people to go, comma, and sin no more. One is after he healed the man by the pool of Bethesda. We see this in John 5, 14. And the other is after he rescued the woman caught in adultery from getting stoned to death. We see that over there in John 8, 11. When Christ Jesus tells the woman who was caught in adultery and and the healed man to sin no more, he is at the same time, simultaneously, magnifying his power over sin and calling them to holiness. The life of a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is one that continuously seeks to kill sin and walk in the newness of life that Jesus provides beloved study 1 Peter 2:24 this means that we do not make a practice of sinning or Continue living in unrepented sin. Nope. And just for that, I'm going to give you 1 John 3, verses 4 through 10. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here we go. Starting at verse 4, 1 John 3: Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness, ignoring God's law by action or neglect or by tolerating wrongdoing. It is being unrestrained by his commands and his will. Amen. That means you don't listen to nothing God tells you to do. Mm-hmm. Verse 5. You know that he appeared in visible form as a man in order to take away sins. And in him, there is absolutely no sin. For he has neither the sin nature, nor has he committed sin or acts worthy of blame. Amen. No one who abides in him who remains united in fellowship with Him deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. No one who habitually sins has seen Him or known Him. Little children, believers, dear ones, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who practices righteousness, the one who strives to live a consistently honorable life in private as well as in public and to conform to God's precepts is righteous. Just as he is righteous. Verse eight the one who practices sin, separating himself from God, and offending him by acts of disobedience, indifference, or rebellion, guess what, is of the devil, and takes his inner character and moral values from him, not God. For the devil has sinned and violated God's law from the beginning. The son of God appeared for this purpose. Amen. To destroy the works of the devil. Listen, verse nine. No one. Okay. No one who is born of God deliberately, knowingly and habitually. Practices sin. Why? God's seed. His principle of life. The essence of his righteous character. Remains permanently in him who is born again. Who is reborn from above. Spiritually transformed. Renewed and set apart For his purpose. And he who is born again. Guess what beloved. Cannot habitually. Live a life. Characterized by sin. Why? Because he is born of God. And longs to please him. Verse 10. By this. The children of God. And the children of the devil are clearly identified. Here we go. Anyone who does not practice righteousness, who does not seek God's will in thought, action, and purpose is not of God. Nor is the one who does not unselfishly love his believing brother. Amen. So. Hoo, 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 Yep. So. The gospel beckons us into repentance and offers grace as we are transformed More and more into the image of God. Mm -hmm. Study 2 Corinthians 3.18. Because ultimately Christ Jesus empowers us through the sending of the Spirit. To fight sin and temptation until he returns or bring us home. Amen. Let us pray. Father. In the name of Christ Jesus, have you not been telling us this since the beginning of this podcast? We are to live clean, holy, and righteous lives before you because Jesus Christ is on his way back. Father, we are so grateful for our salvation. We long to please you. No longer do we want to offend you. No longer do we want to even give the appearance that we are looking to offend you. Help us where we fall short. Strengthen us because you do give us a way out so that we are not overtaken by sin. And Christ Jesus told his disciples because he telling us the same thing today he will not leave us as orphans upon his ascension he said that he will pray to you and you will send us holy spirit now that we have holy spirit He helps us to fight against sin and temptation, constantly letting us know that no longer sin has mastery over us. He reminds us, thank you, Holy Spirit. He reminds us that Jesus dealt with sin at the cross. Christ Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life. Therefore, he abolished the power and the control that sin had over us our whole entire lives. So, Father, we are not without excuse. We see in Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Absolutely not, Father. We are not looking to to take your amazing grace as a license to sin. Nope. Romans six: fifteen What then shall we sin? Because we are not under law. But under grace. Absolutely not. Father. First John 5.18. We know. We know that no one who is born of God sins. But he. Who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. Amen. Why? Because we are abiding in Christ. We have submitted ourselves to you. The devil has no choice but to flee from us because we have surrendered ourselves to you. What is this? John 5.18 is telling us that the evil one does not touch us because we are born of you. No one who is born of God continues to live a life of sin. So, Father, do we need Do we need to give the people Titus 2? I I believe so. Because Titus 2 is a wonderful affirmation. It says, For the remarkable, undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us, Father, you are telling us your grace teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly and moral desires and to live sensible, upright and godly lives, lives with the purpose that reflect spiritual maturity in this present age, awaiting and and confidently expecting the fulfillment of our blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who, let us never forget, Father, willingly gave himself to be crucified on our behalf to Redeem us. And purchase our freedom. Father the Lord Jesus Christ already told us in the Gospels. If the Son has set you free. You are free indeed. Free from what? Sin. And the power and control of it. Christ Jesus set us free. So. Back over here to Titus 2, verse 14. Christ Jesus willingly gave himself to be crucified on our behalf to redeem us and purchase our freedom from all wickedness and to purify for himself a chosen and a very special people To be his own possession. Who by the way father. Are enthusiastic. For doing what is good. Amen. So father. I ask for wisdom today. I ask for wisdom. Discernment. A sound mind. And clarity. And understanding of your word. Father. We know your ways are way higher than our ways. Teach us your ways so that we may walk in them. I, I want to know the things of God and I pray on behalf of all of my brothers and sisters in Christ that we seek your way, not our ways, your ways. May your word do What it tells us that the word of God does. It is profitable for training in righteousness, reproof, correction. Let me pull up the scripture, Father. If I'm not mistaken, because I want to quote it correctly because I love it. Okay, so here we go. 2 Timothy 3:16 All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness Amen Father I love to be trained how to live righteous because for so long i was not living righteous claiming the name bad enough i was a sinner woman i i didn't i knew nothing of you i knew of a christmas jesus and a pagan easter sunday that's it i knew nothing of your ways i knew nothing about being holy I, I only thought of myself. I did what I wanted to do at the demise of my covenant marriage. I didn't care about nothing. No one no how but Cynthia. Selfish. Sinner woman. On my way straight to a burning hell. And then I came to Christ. But I didn't get the memo that I must put on the new man. I read that, I thought that's what I did, but I didn't hate sin. I didn't hate sin enough to stop it. I thought I was good to go. I thought I was trying my best and Jesus knows my heart. He knows I'm trying. And at the end of the day, I'm saved. One saved, always saved. I made, I made false confessions of repentance because I went right back to the sin. So, Father, I'm here as a witness to your kindness, your grace, and your mercy, and your patience, and your love. Because I was on my way straight to certain destruction. Mm -hmm. But you saved me. I got the memo on repentance. I got the understanding. I must hate sin just as much as you do. And I must put away everything, all people, even my own life, and serve Christ. That's my life. That's the only life I want to live. So, Father, we lift up holy hands to you. We give you reverence. We give you thanks. We stand in awe of all your goodness, Father. We love everything about you. We even love discipline because I'd rather be chasing now than only to die or Christ returns and he tells me to my face, depart from me. I never knew you. No, no, uh uh-uh, no, Father. I don't, I don't even want to entertain that at all. That terrifies me. Yes, it does. And I am not ashamed to admit it. I'm terrified of you. Yes, you love me and I love you. But I know you are not playing where sin is concerned. Judgment begins at the house of God. So... Help us to stay on that straight and narrow path, Father, as we long to do what is good and right and holy in your sight. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. Beloved, I I almost forgot I was doing a podcast. (laughs) I just, listen. Okay. Okay. You got to understand, I'm grateful. Okay? I'm grateful that I'm being saved. And so, as I look around my life, yeah, I I, I got to keep everything tight. Even where the boy is concerned, I, I, I got to watch over my son. Because I, I I got to make sure he too understands this message. 13 or not, he got to understand and the fact that he's a minor, I must keep my eye on him. I, I cannot be on here preaching to you all and my house is a hot mess. No, so I, I constantly stay on the boy cuz I let him know too. No liar will will inherit God's kingdom. No no fornicator. I told them all about marriage, how it is for life. So don't even think about bringing anybody to me talking about this is whom I'm going to marry. You you better bring them to God. Okay? So right. How do we resist sin? You know how <laughs> you No, I'm I'm laughing because it's like now it's, it's so easy to understand how do you resist it? Think about this lake of fire. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, no, Cynthia, all you doing is trying to scare the people. Good. Good. Some some of us needed needs and needed to be snatched from hell's fire. So if we constantly put our eyes on Revelation 14, yes, keep it in context. It was talking about don't take the mark of the beast. Otherwise, you too are going to share in in the cup of God's wrath and that you will be tormented day and night. The smoke of your torment will rise day and night and there will be no relief for you. Uh Uh-uh. Jesus talks about hell more than he does heaven. He says that's a place out of darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why would you want to spend eternity under such conditions, why that should terrify you? Like our precious sister Sharon, over there, on motivating you to win, she teaches this this one principle that it it just it, it stuck with me. You want to know how you can overcome? fornication, idolatry, adultery, homosexuality, um, pornography, lying and stealing and cutting up and being a gossip, all the works of the flesh. You know how you can overcome that? Put your flesh on the facts. None of those who practice such things will inherit God's kingdom. Yes, literally, Think about hell's fire. Is that is that a place you want to go to? Go ahead. Yeah. Is it? I know I don't want to go. And I know for a fact you don't want to go either. Listen, one day, Christ Jesus promised to come back to us. And when he comes back, All sin will be removed. Sin, shame, and death for good. Okay? That's what we're looking forward to. Okay? We're looking forward to experiencing glorification. If we go by the way of the grave, then we will stand before Jesus in our uh, glorified bodies. I'm looking forward to the resurrection of these bodies glorified where there will be no more death, crying, tears, sorrow, grief, pain. No more that no more tears will fall and life will be completely free from sin. That will be a reality. Listen, study. Study. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. So, in the meantime, we seek to go and sin no more by killing our flesh. hmm Listen, in closing, the Bible describes sin as something that must be fought, fought, fled from, confessed and repented of. As Holy Spirit works in our lives, we experience grace and become convicted of sin. Christ Jesus calls us to repent and believe in the gospels in order that we may turn away from our sin and turn to God for forgiveness. Amen. Study Mark two fifteen, As David writes in Psalm 51, 3, I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Amen. Beloved, sin is not something we can hide from God, but should be confessed regularly to other believers and to our heavenly father. Amen. Study James 5.16. As we turn from sin and put our faith in the gospel, the joy of our salvation is restored. Amen. We see this over there in Psalm 51.12. Listen, okay, this is how we overcome sin and resist it. We fight sin through the power of God's word, both applying the scriptures to our lives daily and clinging to them as we take every thought captive. Study 2 Corinthians 10 five and Ephesians 6 10 to 20. We discipline ourselves. To study the word of God with diligence and fight against temptation as Jesus did in the desert. Study Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Okay. We don't do all of this Bible studying in order to puff ourselves up With more biblical facts. But for a greater experience of grace and truth. And to grow in the knowledge and love of God. Mm -hmm. Study John 1 verses 1 through 14. Mm -hmm. We sin no more by fleeing from temptation as Joseph did. Literally running from it. Study Genesis 39 verses 1 to 23. And we flee from sin by submitting ourselves to God and pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Amen. Again, already gave y'all James 4, 7, but also study 2 Timothy 2, verses 22. Mm -hmm. And when our faith wanes, we can call out, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Study Mark 9, 24. Listen, okay, I, I get it. My hand is the first to be raised. Listen, we don't beat ourselves up in shame when we miss the mark. Okay? But we continually bring it back to the cross, reminding ourselves that the blood of Christ has covered us. So, don't get... OK, it's kind of like on one hand and then on the other hand, I'm saying when we miss the mark, we are so tore up behind it. Right. Because James told us that we should feel miserable. OK, we should feel bad. Don't get to the point. Where you are so distraught that you give up on your faith. Believing that you are just too filthy and nasty to be restored again. We have the blood of Jesus. Just don't make sin a lifestyle. Because believe it or not, we are going to miss the mark. But the mindset is to go and sin no more. Don't make missing the mark a lifestyle claiming well you know I just missed the mark. Okay, well how many how many how many cigarettes are you going to smoke? Like how much more alcohol are you going to drink? Like are you ever going to come up out of that bed of adultery? Well, you know, I know, but I just keep missing the mark. Well No, see, now it's a lifestyle. Okay, again, we can't use 1 John 1, 9 as a license to sin. All of this repenting, all of this confessing, all of this forgiving, knowing that you are going to sin some more. No, the Lord Jesus Christ showed us the pattern. In John 8.11. Once we have been forgiven. We are. Henceforth. Not to live. A life. Of sin. The lifestyle. Should not be. A calling card. Of your sin. Not anymore. It shouldn't. Listen. What, I wanna, what do I want to leave you all with? Okay. Psalm 51, verses 8 to 13. This is from King David, who had a woman's husband killed on the front line of battle. Because he was trying to cover up their adulterous affair. Got Bathsheba pregnant. So, he was at first. Because, I'm going to tell you, if you want to know about some drama, I'm telling you, read, read those Old Testament stories. So, King David was trying to convince Uriah to, to go home to his wife. So that he can have sex with her. And then when the pregnancy gets announced. Then they will all assume that it's Uriah's baby. Instead of King David's. So maybe he can save face. But Uriah the Hittite loved King David. Loved him so much that he didn't want to go home. He wanted to sleep outside of the castle. He he didn't want to come home. He was so faithful and loyal to King David that he didn't want to leave David's side. Uh Uh-uh. And so David, King David came up with a plan to send him on the front lines of the battle. Uh Uh-huh. Got the man murdered. He, He tried to tell Uriah, go home. Like, go ahead, go home. You have been out to war for a long time. Just go home, enjoy your wife. Like, enjoy your wife. No, no, I'm I'm standing right here with you. And Dave was like, "Oh boy." Okay, well, I I got to come up with a plan. And so came up with a plan. Put the man on the front line. Sent word for him to go on the front line. The man died. Was murdered murdered, and so, the prophet Nathan, came to King David, with this uh, story, about, what was it, please don't have me go over there, I'm paraphrasing, but, but he was telling him of this scenario, but it was really about David, about how, see now, I got to go get the story. Hold on. Before I bring us over here to 2 Samuel 12, let me just read Psalm 51 verses 8 to 13. Because after what had happened, as I read that to you, then we see David petitioning the Lord with this Psalm. He said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit, then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Amen. So, how did King David, having done all of that hot mess, how was he able to offer up this prayer here? Okay. Well, let's take a trip back in time. 2 Samuel 12. So, this is where we find Nathan, the prophet, telling David he has sinned. So, I don't know. Maybe David didn't know that was sin. I don't know. I'm not here to uh, speculate. I wasn't there. But listen to this. Starting at verse 1. So, Second Samuel 12, the Lord sent the prophet Nathan to David. When David came to him, he said, two men lived in the same town. So this is what the prophet Nathan was telling King David. Okay. Two men lived in the same town. One was rich. The other was poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle. But all the poor man had was one little female lamb and he bought it. He raised it. He grew it up with him and his children. It shared his food. It drank from his cup. He even slept in his arms. It was just like a daughter to him. Amen. And then one day a traveler. Now, now keep this in mind. The Lord sent the prophet Nathan to tell David this story. Okay. So one day a traveler came to the rich man. The rich man wanted to prepare, um, wanted to prepare a meal for him, but he didn't have no, but he didn't want to kill one of his own sheep or cattle. Instead, he took, the little female lamb that belonged to the rich man, I mean, to the poor man. Yes. This rich man had a guest come over. And so this rich man didn't want to kill any of his little precious lambs. So what did he do? He took that beloved little female lamb that that poor man had, who raised this little lamb, treated it just like a member of the family. So instead, he took that little female lamb from the poor man. Then the rich man cooked it for the traveler who had come to him. What? So when David heard this story, oh, he was angry Verse 5, David was very angry with the rich man and said to Nathan, um, and said to Nathan, the man who did this must die. Huh, really, really King David. Huh, so apparently this man's sin, you are so upset about. But what about your sin? Did you just not have a man killed? Uh-huh. Okay. So David was very angry with with the rich man and said to Nathan, "The man who did this must die, and that's just as sure as the Lord is alive." Uh-huh. The man must pay back four times as much as that lamb was worth. How, look, look at King David, okay? How could he do such a thing? And he wasn't even sorry he had done it. Hello, where's my bell? King David, really? (laughs) You are this upset because a man killed an animal, but you killed a living being? Where's the outrage? Behind what you have done. Hmm. Drama. So. <laughs> he's like. How could he do such a thing? Well we can ask that too. How could you have an innocent man. Who clearly idolized. And worshiped you. And would have done anything. You asked of him. Had him murdered. Because you'd have knocked up his wife. Whoo drama. So verse seven, Nathan said to David, you are the man, the Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king over Israel. I saved you from Saul. I gave you everything that belonged to your master Saul. I even put his wives into your house into your arms i made you king over all the people of israel and judah and if all of that had not been enough for you i would have given you even more ooh you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to do anything For the Lord to come at you like this. He done blessed you. He done saved you. He done died on the cross for your sins. And here you are still sinning. Are you crazy? And if we ask of anything. According to his will. He will do it. And yet we are still sinning. Mm, We had not read this story. So. Let's finish. So he said. Verse 9, why did you turn your back on what I told you to do? You did what is evil in my sight. You made sure that Uriah the Hittite would be killed in battle. You took his wife to be your own. You let the men of Ammon kill him with their swords. So time after time, members of your own royal house will be killed with swords. That's because you turned your back on me. You took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. Whew. I'm t- Beloved, are we not hearing God is angry with David? He, he done laid out the truth. Cut David to shreds. So I can only imagine David is standing there. He can't say nothing. He probably had his head down low because everything the Lord is giving him is the truth the Lord God Almighty gave David the business he said verse 11 where are we at what's this second second Samuel mm-hmm second Samuel 12. listen to this I'm, I'm telling you it's intriguing so verse 11. Yep. The Lord also says, I am going to bring trouble on you. It will come from your own family. I will take your wives away. Your eyes, your own eyes will see it. I will give your wives to a man who is close to you. He will sleep with them in the middle of the day. You committed your sins in secret, but I will make sure... That the man commits his sin in the middle of the day. Everyone in Israel will see it. Then David said to Nathan. I have sinned against the Lord. That's all he could say. Could you imagine if David would have made excuses at this point? Well, you know, it wasn't my fault. I was just up on the rooftop. No one told Bathsheba to be taking a bath out in the public naked so that I can see her. I'm I'm just a man. Don't we all sin? Aren't we living in this flesh body? It is impossible to stop sinning. So what do you expect for me to do? Or worse yet, the Lord said, "I can have her." No. This is the correct response when we have sinned against the Lord. We don't make any excuses. We don't try to take scripture and twist it to to Cosign the madness. David said, I have sinned. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die, but you have dared to show great disrespect for the Lord. So, the son who has been born to you will die. Mm -hmm. And after that, Nathan went home. Then the Lord made David's child very sick. The one he had with Bathsheba, Uriah's wife. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, this is a tragedy. So the Lord made David's child very sick. That was the child David had by Uriah's wife. David begged God to heal the child. David didn't eat anything. He spent his nights lying on the ground. He put on the rough clothes people wear when when they are sad. His most trusted servants stood beside him They probably thought David was going to commit suicide if this baby didn't get better. Everybody was on pins and needles. So they, right. They thought, wow. No, 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 no. Back it up. Back it up. Back it up. Verse 17. Right. His most trusted servants stood beside him. They wanted him to get up from the ground. But he refused to do it and he wouldn't eat any food with them. So on the seventh day, on the seventh, on the seventh day, the child died. His attendants were afraid to tell him the child was dead. They thought while the child was still alive, we spoke to David, but he wouldn't listen to us. So how can we now tell him the child is dead? He might do something terrible to himself. So verse 19, David saw that his attendants were whispering to one another. Then he realized. The child was dead. Has the child died? He asked. Yes. They replied. He's dead. Then David got up from the ground. Cause okay. Got up from the ground. And after he washed himself. He put on lotions. He, he changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord. And worshipped him. Then he went to his own house. He asked for some food. They served him and he ate it. His attendants asked him, why are you acting like this? Because they, they're like, wait a minute, one minute, you seem like you was going to kill yourself. And now that the child has died, you got up, you took a shower, you you eating, you seem to be back to normal. But when the child was dying, no one could do anything with you. So they were confused. So they were saying in verse 29, while the child was still alive, you wouldn't eat anything. You cried a lot. But now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. And he answered while the child was still alive. I didn't, I didn't eat anything. And I cried a lot. I thought, who knows the Lord might have mercy on me. He might let the child live. But now he's dead, so why should I continue to go without food? Can I bring him back to life again? Someday I'll go to him, but he won't return to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba. He went to her and slept with her. Sometime later, she had a son. He was given the name Solomon. The Lord loved him. So the Lord sent a message through Nathan, the prophet. The Lord said, Name the boy Jedediah. Amen. And so while, <clears throat> while David was laying prostrate on the floor, praying, offering a petition to the Lord about the sin he has committed, he was in full blown repentance. And this is where we get Psalm 51. I'm telling you, I I feel like crying because of the mercy and the compassion of God. That he will restore you. He will restore you. But you got to agree you sinned. Now, if David's response was, I didn't do anything wrong. Well, then he would be the liar. See, thank you, Holy Spirit. Then he would be the liar that that John was talking about. He who say they have no sin is a liar. If David would have said after all that sin he committed, adultery and murder and lying and deceit, only for him to say when When the prophet Nathan came to him with that story and said, well, you are that man. After David said, well, kill the man. How could he do such a thing? And, and the prophet said, well, you are that man. What if David would have said, what? I didn't do anything wrong. But what did he do? He confessed. He admitted, I sinned against the Lord. Yeah, see, that's what we do. So David is not the liar because people say, "Well, if you say you don't sin, then you are a liar." This is a prime, wonderful example of what John was talking about. If David had said, "I don't know what you're talking about," that's, uh, "I'm the king." that woman is on is on my property i own her and and i was entitled to her but he didn't say that he confessed because john was saying about unconfessed sin we have an advocate so we can go to the Father, confess the sin, and he will forgive you. There's no need to walk around with unconfessed sin, talking about, I didn't do anything wrong. You are a liar. So, that's how we get Psalm 51. Dave, I'm going to read it again, and then I'm going to let y'all go. Let me hear joy and gladness. Okay, because once David realized, I done messed up. Oh, I completely messed up. And so he's crying out to the Lord, seeking mercy. That maybe even though I did this thing, but can you spare the child? So... He said, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart. Amen. Because David's heart was not clean when he came up with the plan and the plot to kill Uriah. No, so he's asking, in me a clean heart and, and renew a right spirit within me because his spirit was not right. When you get another man's wife pregnant and you deceive him, pushing him to go home, to go have sex with his wife, to, to cover up the affair that a baby is on the way. And so, he was hoping and praying that Uriah wanted his wife enough to go home and lay with her. And then a few weeks later, oh, honey, guess what? We pregnant. Knowing that's David's baby. Mm -mm -mm. So, David is saying, renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Listen, this is repentance. No matter what we do, listen, you don't want God to take away his presence nor his spirit from you. He said, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then, I'm telling you, I'm here. I'm a witness. Once you come to repentance and you sin after that, I was like David. Oh, yes. I was like David crying, begging God for his mercy. I felt miserable. Okay. And once he restores you, you are going to want to do what David is about to tell us. Once he gets forgiven, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Amen. And this is the basis of this podcast. This is what happened to me. So now that I've been restored, all I want to do is teach transgressors God's ways and have sinners repent. Calling men to repentance. Because just like David. I was this close to hell's fire too. So I get it. And I pray you get it too. Stop sinning. Resist the devil. Submit ourselves to God. And and we ain't got to worry about hell's fire. If. 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 We remain faithful and endure until the end. Amen. Amen. Father, this story about what happened with King David and Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite, we see over there in the Old Testament. I can't put my hands right now on the verse, but we see where you say that, that David was perfect, except for this area. That is why he never lost a battle. You were with him. David shows us how to repent how to confess sin, to to own up to it, and take accountability for it. Your will in that situation will be done, just like your judgment was for this baby to die, but then you bless them with another child after repentance. So, Father, may we follow this example. That if we happen to stumble, fall into sin, we don't stay in the dirt rolling around in it where where now we are part of said dirt. May we put all sin away. May we endure until the end. So that when Jesus returns or we go by the way of the grave, we will not shrink back. Because we had not been living a life of holiness. Thank you for your mercy. In Jesus mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. All right, beloved. Well, there we have that another one in the can. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.